This is Todd from the Junkyard Outreach. Welcome and thanks for joining me. For more information and episodes, check out junkyardoutreach.com. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As believers, we have a responsibility to represent Jesus in a way that glorifies the Father. And sadly, at holiday time, many believers find themselves in the midst of family members who want no part of Jesus, his message, or his yoke strapped to them. As Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do an online search for the word yoke and then look at the pictures and you'll see that big piece of wood that is typically strapped to the necks of two cows. And that yoke brings the animal under the control of one driver so they can be guided by the driver to perform their work, plowing fields or pulling wagons or whatever. And when the animals combine their strength, it makes the job easier on them and the driver. If the animals are different, like yoking up an ox with a donkey, one's strength will overpower the other and the task they're performing will be more difficult because the stronger animal will be doing more work than the weaker animal who's just trying to survive. So you don't want to yoke two different animals together. And Paul uses this concept to caution believers from being joined together with unbelievers in 2 Corinthians 6.14. He says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? So a yoke can be a symbol of a relationship between people as well as a relationship between people and God. For example, in the book of Numbers, Israel had been worshiping another God despite being warned again and again against it. In Numbers 25.3, it says, So Israel yoked himself to Baal, and that's the pagan god of Peor, and that's the place where it happened. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. So when Jesus says to take my yoke upon you, he's showing us that he wants to be the one who guides us as we plow through the fields of life. His yoke is light. In other words, it's not a huge burden strapped to us where we are crushed under its load. It's light, and we can easily handle his yoke. If you've ever picked up a steel tire rim, like a truck rim, it's heavy. Then you pick up an aluminum rim, and it's a lot lighter, but oftentimes it's bigger. That's because aluminum is a lot lighter than steel. And the wheels, they still do the same thing, but one is lighter than the other. And Jesus' yoke is light. We can handle it. And I met a lot of people who have served in ministry, and some of these people are so overworked that they suffer, and their families suffer. And in time, a lot of people suffer. And it's not supposed to be the case. And this kind of yoke should not be placed on a child of God unless they put it on themselves, meaning that God has not called them into this ministry, or at least not doing all the work themselves. But they take on too much and they become overwhelmed. That's not carrying a light burden. That's being heavily yoked. And he says, take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. We learn from Jesus when we ourselves choose to put on his yoke, meaning we voluntarily become his servant. He teaches us through his Holy Spirit how to navigate through life, and in that education, we find rest for our souls. That's part of the benefit of being a child of God. 
we get the peace, we get the rest that he promises. Well, when we gather with our families around the table at holidays, we're often among relatives that are not yoked to Jesus. And this doesn't mean by any means that they're bad. They're family. Some may be bad, but holidays around unbelievers shouldn't be chaotic or hostile. Rather, it should be filled with that familial love. It's a time for families to get together and love one another and be filled with joy and all those things that should be happening. And even unbelievers, they can show a lot of love. And on the flip side, there's church families that are so cold and hostile, you don't even want to be anywhere near them, let alone on holidays, because they ruin it. Meanwhile, their unbelieving relatives are warm and loving, and they're these cold souls that when they walk in the door, everyone's like, oh, great. So looking at the role that we play in the drama of life, we represent Jesus. And if Jesus were hanging out at the house, sitting around the table, feasting with our family, what would he likely do? Well, we know that he ate and drank with sinners. The self-righteous religious elite pointed that one out. And in this culture that they were in, eating with someone carries the idea of having more than just a meal, but having intimate fellowship with that person. You're very close. It's different in our culture where we'll have lunch with a client or maybe an old friend or a relative and walk away with no real sense of edification or, you know, building each other up. But in Jesus' day, it was a time of connection, sharing food and drink, and there was Jesus right in the middle of it. And I have no problem believing that he laughed at times when something was funny, and he may have even said funny things himself. I also believe that the sinners really appreciated his respectful and non-judgmental behavior while eating with them. And Jesus himself said, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So too, we shouldn't condemn people, rather be a good witness to them. That doesn't mean we don't share with them and on occasion correct them when they're off the rails, but we don't have to condemn them. Nobody likes to be condemned. When I'm gathering where unbelievers are present, I try to stay focused on being a good witness, but also trying to connect with those I'm around. I like to connect with people, find people that are interesting and have conversations with them. And I find that in those moments with unbelievers, I have great conversations, have good times of connection and learning about people and sharing my story. And I was at a bar a few years ago when I was out of state for training, and a group of us went to the sports bar to eat, and the food was awesome. But we stayed for several hours afterwards while the majority of those guys got pretty lit, and they were acting foolish. But I had several really good conversations with them in their inebriated state about life, family, work, and a few references to God, which they didn't really want to hear, and I didn't push it. But I was among them and built a relationship with them because I'm not afraid to eat and drink with sinners. I don't have to compromise my faith at all, just rather wait for the opportunity to connect with them. But I'm also in the midst of a lot of worldliness that I grew up with and indulged in until I came to Jesus. And some of it didn't bother me, but there's other things. I'm like, dude, come on. Oh, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. It's not just from my perspective. It's other people there. They're going, yeah, he's he's crossing that line, you know, and these are unbelievers too. So there's a time to say, hey, but you got to realize that they are worldly. But our witness or our example, how we demonstrate our faith by our lives, that's always being closely monitored. And when we are in the midst of people who know us, we got to be careful because some of them, they'll throw these little bombs in our path. Like they'll be talking with us. They'll say something very vulgar and they'll say, oh, pardon my French or something stupid like that. But we can really be a light in these settings if we simply allow the Lord to lead us and be merciful to those who, quote, know not what they do, unquote. Jesus said that, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. And I remember as an unbeliever, I knew not what I did. I knew it was wrong, but I was being an idiot and I didn't realize how much of an idiot I was. So in my world, when I'm sitting around the table with unbelieving friends and family, 
If they're not being rude or mean, then I try to be the light in their life in that moment. I try to connect with their kids and see what's up in their world. And as a side note, when I was growing up, adults rarely had a conversation with me that didn't involve correction or calling me an idiot or something like that. But on a rare occasion, a kind adult would just sit down and talk with me about life. Only happened a few times. And even though I didn't really show appreciation to them, I really did appreciate those people taking a few minutes and having a simple conversation with me. And I have tried to do this with as many people as I can, especially young people, just to connect with them and make them feel like, you know, just because you're a kid doesn't mean that you're not important. And I've had these conversations consistently with our friends' kids because I want them to know that I care about them. And in these conversations, they might say something dumb. You're just kind of like going, really, you know, or rolling your eyes. Yeah, you're really going to go on and be an astronaut, you know, that kind of thing. You know, and not to say that they can't, I guess they could, but there's some kids, they just have no commitment to anything at that age. And yet they're shooting for the stars and literally (laughs) want to be an astronaut. Oh, right on. You know, and rather than roll my eyes, I'm like, yeah, you go do that. You go be a good astronaut and encourage them in their path. And also I've been surprised by some of their wit, their maturity, their humor, etc. I'm like, oh, wow, this kid's funny. This kid's smart. This kid's got it together. And I never would have known that had I not taken time to have a conversation with them. So I try to make the holidays a time where I can be a blessing to others. And I do get angry sometimes when somebody says something inappropriate because they're drunk or just those people that have that knack for coming in and saying things that you're just like, really? But, you know, their hope in this world is limited. Our hope is in Christ and it is unlimited. It is eternal and it's real. And through him being yoked to him, we have that peace. And we can be a light in this world, especially during holiday times with our families, because they're looking at us as the quote-unquote religious people. But we can really bless them if we just treat them like Jesus treats us. Thank you.